0: Welcome to Active Activism, part of the Femme On Collective. On this show, my guests share the causes important to them, how they became involved, and why we should be active in our activism. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Active Activism. Today's guest is very dear to me. I first met her at a truth in writing workshop that stripped me bare and taught me things I didn't know about myself. I found myself drawn to her spirit, her strength and her soul in a way that binds me to her forever. But Erica Patelazar is more than a brilliant teacher, she is an active activist. Welcome Erica, please introduce yourself and tell listeners what you do.
1: First I must gather myself because that introduction was just so beautiful. And I remember that day well, so thank you for remembering it in just that way. It was mutual that pull of the soul between us. And so you met me in one of my forms, which is as a creative writing instructor. I'm also a professor um, at CSN. I teach composition. I teach literature there. What I found myself recently folding into, and one of the things I love about our union, Tanya, is that We can be so many things with one another. And that's what we were just talking about uh, right before our podcast began. You had to really, we had to touch (laughs) in what's going on. (laughs) Who are you today and who were you yesterday? And so one of the identities that I don't want to say I stumbled into it. I think it was always meant for me is that I, I find that I am becoming more active as an activist. I think that word is, it carries so much historical and personal weight, beautiful duty and obligation. And so for me to utter that word with myself in mind, um, it, it really is not a light thing. I have to really, it's a place within community that I am ever earning and don't declare it easily. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to think of myself in those terms. Um, I'm a co-founder of the Abodo Collective, which we were founded pre-pandemic, right on the cusp, um, just as a way to serve the community, those who found themselves unhoused, those who found themselves without food on the table, though they may be working two jobs, two shifts, three shifts in this town, is not uncommon, particularly in the community that we're serving, 89106, the historic West Side, for there to be um, the working poor, one in four in that community actually, report having a deficit of food on the table in any given week. Something that I can't imagine in this phase of my life, but something that I have experienced as a child um, being raised in a single family home. And so my kind of reaction to that number is born of having been in that space of being without and finding that when I have just a little to give, I'm going to give it. And so I think that's why that word activist to me becomes such a formal title to something that I think in terms of being this very revered space that I kind of occupy naturally and in the small ways that I can. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you have a way of blending your activism with your art. Was that a conscious decision or did the muse lead you there?
1: You know, that's a beautiful question. Yes. I, I think the muse led me and the heart led me. And I think that for us as poets and writers, actors, and I'm speaking of you specifically because you find that through your art, you're doing all the loving that you would do in your activism. It just takes on a different form. It's a different medium that you're accessing. But yes, it's it's an extension of one. As a writer, I find myself um, really interested in characters who are struggling through something and always find themselves on the other side. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, As an actress, I, I think that you too find yourself drawn to characters that are struggling with something and find themselves on the other side. And so I think in life I am drawn and have had to come through on the other side so many times myself, I am drawn to communities, to individual souls, to families who are in the middle of something and that are going to come through on the other side. What can I do? Uh, What can we do to make certain that that journey takes place and that it is filled with beauty and possibility and the ongoing and hope and hope. Yes. So with um, my nonprofit, I feel as though the day-to-day because I'm a professor, because I'm a a curator, because I have a poet, a fiction writer, sometimes I need other space in which to activate those parts of myself. So the day-to-day activism I mean, I've been blessed to be surrounded by beautiful women who make that happen. Tamika Henry, who's our executive director of Oboto, and Cheyenne Kyle, who is our director of food and food programming, who has become the architect of an urban garden that we now have on the west side, the Oboto Urban Garden. How and, about that? Oh, I mean, golly, it is an unexpected bounty in my life Uh, that garden is on a little half acre plot of land right smack dab in the middle of the historic west side on 1300 c street we had a soft um opening back in december of this year and now we're going to have our first crop planted later this month
0: it's going to be exciting (laughs)
1: I can't wait until you see it. And I can't wait until you come and put your hands in the soil. So we already have 30 trees that we planted on that spot, 30 fruit trees. Uh, what goes in on Fe- in February will be native um, plants, indigenous corns and beans, you know, eggplant, mushroom, wild onion, um, just tomatoes on the vine, tomatilla. And we're envisioning it as a working farm. So unlike community farms where you can come in and you can harvest your own plot and you'll take away a little bounty, uh, what we're planning is actually a fully operating farm and greengrocer right there on the spot. And so we're hoping to fill in some of that deficit we spoke of earlier, that one in four families. We want that to be no family in the West. Right. South.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. Now I feel like I interrupted you. Were you still trying to share some of the people involved in your project? Oh no, no.
1: I mean just I'm I just want I just want it to be known how this is only possible what we do through the shared strength of other sisters. I mean it 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 doesn't happen without you bringing your toys and I'm bringing my toys and you, Uh and none of them um, take the same shape are of the same make of the same. I mean, they're all different and the whole doesn't happen without those parts. Right. Just so lucky in us and just overwhelmed with gratitude that at some point, Tanya, There won't be a need for us. Does that make sense? Yes, that would be
0: fantastic. (laughs) That would be so amazing. You know what? This need is covered and it's time for me to move on to some other thing.
1: That's, That's it, right? Because what I love about this sisterhood and so many communities of sisterhood within this community of activism is that the hope is, and there's your word, the hope is whatever love we are planting here will blossom and spread and deliver the kind of covering, the kind of shade that makes it possible for new growth, right? And our hand to it won't be needed anymore. Something else, something else that perhaps will not operate in a deficit. We won't be the fire people going to rush to put out the flame. Instead, maybe we will be bringers of another flame to another community, to another circumstance. And so when we say activism, and I can think of so many beautiful activists that we're surrounded by, the fact that the solidarity fridge and those partners there cropped up to fill a need, and now it's become also a point of celebration, having block parties, you know, bringing in music and bands. Right, So you're ever building, like the need grows into something else that has a lot to do with the need for more joy, fulfilling joy. Feed the body, yes. I think it's um, of the utmost shame in which in the 21st century, We even have to think about the fact that folks are hungry right down the street from you. Right,
0: so
1: close. So, how, how? And so I already feel as though we are already on the trajectory to covering those basic needs. If we're conscientious about it, each and every one of us, covering those basic needs so that we can all get to the bounty of the joy that we're meant to have Going forward so that we can embrace the future. What comes next? We're attending to all these things that are consequences of the past. Past injustice that persist in the present. That's so old. It's such old stuff. I'm ready for the next thing. Let's all do it together. And there are so many of us in position to do it together. There are so many of us in this community that have so much to share and share it willingly. What I find is that those of us who have just the bare minimum. (laughs) But what we have is the heart to share what we have. We're carrying the full load. I I really want to see that community that has the overabundance that's really living in the excess of what the 21st century has brought, what the past has brought them, right? Has a lot to do with some of those words I'm trying to stay away from, like privilege, has a lot to do with writing on the excess of capital that was gained on the backs of the women in their lives, gained on the backs of enslaved folks from centuries past. Share that bounty now release it and share it so that we can all arrive at that place where we're dispensing joy for everyone at this point. I think that will even, all that everyone is afraid to address, all that continues to be an ever-abiding pain at the center of us, I think all of that can be reinvented into the next becoming it doesn't have to exclude it's all inclusion a real kind of inclusion
0: it's beautifully said i want to give you an opportunity to talk about some of the projects that you have contributed to over the years <laughs>
1: uh, well um I've been really coming to a point where I can dream. And some of those dreams have gone unspoken and are part of those beautiful aspirations that you had as a new being on the planet as a child, right? That ability to play and imagine yourself continuing to play. So many of my projects involve play in a very real sense, um, being asked to curate an exhibit at the barrack, um, which is one of my my great honors as a part of the Women of Color Arts Festival, I was asked, invited to curate an exhibit of my own design, and that was seeing seen at the Barrack. And I just wanted to fill that space with images of Black women, so that we could have the opportunity to stand in our own presence. So yes, that was a beautiful project that continues to grow for me. Um. Recently, just last week, we installed Obsidian and Neon, Building Black Life in Las Vegas, which is a photo narrative installation that myself and my partner, Jeff Scheid, we've been working on for about five years each year. We add another cohort of um, really figures from the community who represent all layers all professions of Black life here. In this past installation, we featured six Black women. That was something I was very intentional about. So in that project, we have beautiful photography by Jeff Scheid and narratives uh, born of the interviews sitting down with each woman and kind of distilling their life into a story to accompany those photographs. So uh, the president of Nevada State College, Durian Pollard. We had the honor of featuring her. Chef Natalie Young of EAT. Um, Shakela Alvarenga, who's the director of the Mob Museum. And uh, Debbie Conway, who is the Clark County recorder, a radio host, um, just an extraordinary woman who has just open so many doors in this community. When we think of someone who is really handling the systems that make it possible for people to buy homes in this county, uh, record their deeds, record their marriages, and record their divorces. <laughs> 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 that happens in life, you know. Their it's- life changes. <laughs> <laughs> just man. It comes through the hands of that Black woman. And also Gwen Walker, who I'm sure you know, who is the founder of the Walker Museum, one woman operator of an archivist of Black life in the West Side. She has been compiling just images, pieces of memorabilia. She. Called me the other day and said, Oh, I just found, you know, just the obituary from Aretha Franklin's um, homecoming, homegoing. Someone just sent that to me. I mean, she just has all this black life in one spot and she's been doing that by herself for over 30 years. Wow. Yes. So just figures like that and that project, just sitting down with them, um, really learning from them. And oh, I have to also mention, the youngest and the first Black woman elected to the position of judge in North Las Vegas, Belinda T. Harris, is also part of that recent cohort. So yeah, those are a few of the projects
0: involved (laughs) with. Well, I was hoping you would share your McSweeney's book of the diaspora. You wanna talk a little bit about that?
1: You're going to make me cry now because. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's um, another project that I was very honored to take on, to help found, to orchestrate with many partners in crime. And, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a writer, but first and foremost, I'm a reader And to have the opportunity to bring back to print pieces of Black classic literature from writers who really helped shape my sensibility, my way of being in the world and giving in the world. So, yes, um, the Of the Diaspora um, series has really allowed me to revisit the voices that have celebrated and honored Black life in a particular way and continue to instruct us in the ways in which we can do and be and grow and see and be fearless. So yes, thank you for, for, for mentioning and, and calling that forward.
0: Well, it's a spectacular vision and I just want to share it with the world.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and it's ongoing ongoing. So we're bringing back to print um, and recently released an illustrated um, series of uh, W.E.B. Du Bois' Voices from Beyond the Veil. And so I'm really proud of that. Yeah, the illustration alongside that powerful voice. Something that um, I wish for and that Sweeneys did not question, just let's find the illustrator and make yeah. it happen. This is what we did. Good for them. Yeah.
0: So what is the best way that listeners can support you and the work you do?
1: Oh, really and truly being of service where you are, mm. the ways that you find possible. Coming to the garden, (laughs) Um, really, and being there as we make our first plantings, being there as Cheyenne Kyle delivers to the community these wonderful sessions on growing our own gardens. You know, we're having one this Sunday, actually, and every second and fourth Sunday there at the garden, Um, Yeah, the Abodo Collective, find us on Instagram. Come and participate in that way. Participate in reading great Black literature. You know, dipping into the Of the Diaspora series, yes, by all means. And also just revisiting the works that have found you and finding new works. We are just um, beautifully blessed right now with just a range of Black voices being published. That's a support to me, continuing to read and be fed in that way.
0: Well, thank you very much, Erica, for sharing your advocacy. Is there anything else you'd like to, to add to help inspire listeners to be active in their activism?
1: Active in your activism, follow your joy. Uh, Follow your pain as well. Um, As I was sharing with you before, you know, a lot of what we do is born of the need to become what we needed, right? Um, And I take that idea from Tamika Henry, who that's one of her phrases just become what you once needed. And I think for me, that has always been um, just a heartfelt desire. That if you're experiencing that pain that I once felt, let me ease it. If you haven't yet felt that pain, let me see what I can do to help you divert it and and move towards joy instead.
0: Yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to use that. Mm -hmm. Thank you again. That was beautiful. And thank you, listeners. This has been Active Activism, part of the Femme On Collective.
1: So proud of you. I love you. (laughs) I love you too. Thank you. (laughs)